Good to be back with you. Wow, look at all these people here. This is great. Well done. Hi, everybody online. Good morning. And it's good to be back with you. And this is going to be great. How many feel some anticipation, kind of excitement, like God's up to something? He hasn't pulled the curtain all the way back, but we're getting a crack. We're getting a peek. God, you're up to something. And so this has been an amazing year. Well done. You're here. How many are breathing? That's good. I thought some of you weren't, but okay, some of you are. How many never raise your hand in church? That's the rest of you. Okay, just want to pull the audience. So it's good to be with you. Real quick, uh, wrote a book during a pandemic. That's what you do when you can't travel. So it's, uh, we brought some last fall, but uh, if you didn't get one, it's called Stewarding Prophecy. They're out on the counter out there, and um, pick one up. How many, if, if you've received a prophetic word, or even if you read your Bible, and God gives you a word, he wants you to steward it. He wants you to make it your own, and how to steward prophecy is an important time in the time we live in. How to wage warfare with words. How many we're in a war of words? Every day is a war of words. And the media's barking at us and everybody else is throwing their opinions around and we just have to say, God, what do you have to say, right? So let's ask God what he has to say today, right? Matthew chapter five. I understand you just went through a beautiful series called the Beatitudes. And uh, so this is a good segue into where the Beatitudes kind of finish at the end of Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus finishes the, the major blessings, and then he picks up right in verse 13 and segues right into this amazing statement and says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. Oh, except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Wow. It's a strong statement. We're going to look at this morning what the Bible calls the covenant of salt and how salt is not only something Jesus calls us, but how it operates in us as believers. If you go over to Mark chapter 9, Mark also picks up on this, takes it a little bit further in Jesus' words, Mark chapter 9, verse 49 and 50. We got slides up here for that? They're working on the slides. We've had, some, we've had a few glitches, so they're coming. All right, so ignore those guys in the back. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Ignore that man behind the curtain back there. Okay. Here in Mark chapter 9, uh, Mark picks up a little bit of a different thought about salt, and it's, the, the backdrop to this is quite interesting because the disciples were kind of arguing <laughs> who was the greatest. Isn't that not very typical of disciples, is it? Have this discussion. So the, the backdrop to the statement he makes is they're, they're arguing about who's the greatest. And so he talks about the temptations of sin in verse 42 down to verse 49. In verse 49, he then says, for everyone will be salted, watch, with fire. How do you become a salty Christian? Fire. Everyone will be salted with fire. Now, salt is good, Jesus said, but again, if the salt has lost its saltiness, or the King James says its savor, how will you make it salty again? So he says the conclusion is have salt in yourselves and be at peace one with another. Combines those together. Your saltiness is also in correlation to the peace that you have not only in your heart, but the peace you have with one another. We are designed to have salt. You know, your, your body needs salt to, to work the nervous system and other things. We're designed to have salt in our natural bodies. 
I grew up in uh, western New York State. That's where I'm from. You can tell by my accent, of course. Um, Rochester, New York area, but a little bit outside of that uh, were some major salt mines in the state of New York. In fact, my great-grandfather, who uh, came from Ireland, he worked in the salt mines, but he was, a, he was the hoist operator. He operated the hoist that took the men and lowered them down into the mine, and they worked all day, and then he brought them back up again. He ran that hoist all day long. And I had other, uh, other relatives and uncles, great uncles, that worked in these salt mines. And uh, salt is an amazing product when it just comes to how history was wrapped around salt. Uh, they used to pay the Roman soldiers in salt. So we get the term salary. The word salary comes from the word salt. And then you have terms like he's worth his salt. That comes from this whole idea of how, what, a, what a value there was to salt. In fact, it still is today. You probably have salt in your own home. It might be have a place of prominence on your dining room table. I mean, we need salt. We're designed to have salt. And Jesus takes this simple analogy and turns it into something personal. There's a word in Scripture called the covenant of salt. What is the covenant of salt? First of all, it's a covenant of loyalty, one to another. The best synonym to describe what it means to be salty means to be loyal. We're loyal to God. We're loyal to one another. It deals with integrity. It deals with, when Jesus said, have salt inside yourself. It deals with your inner man, your character, your integrity. Something that has to be tested by fire. It's part of what God said. Everyone will be salted with fire, the fire of testing. But all the covenants of God are conditional. Covenants different than a contract. Contracts can be broken. Contracts, you make agreements. But in a covenant, it's kind of like amazing because covenants were not meant to be broken. Covenants stand the test of time. They stand the test of fire. The covenant God made with you is amazing. He'll never break it. It's an everlasting covenant. So we take covenantal theology and covenantal language and we look at how it says in the Old Testament that God made a covenant with David, and it was called a covenant of salt. If you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 13, I think we have it up here, 2 Chronicles 13, in verse 5, God gave the kingdom over to David with or under a covenant of salt. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship over to Israel forever to David and his sons, how? In a covenant of salt. That was often done in a meal. They would take a meal, they would, they would salt the sacrifice, or they would have a meal, and they would put salt in it, and that was a binding contract in those days. Also with Moses, the Mosaic Covenant, Numbers chapter 18, verse 19, the Mosaic Covenant was also a covenant of salt. And there we have it. All the holy contributions of the people of Israel were presented to the Lord. Watch this at the end. It's a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and your offspring. This thing runs through the generations. This is a big deal to God. And so the new covenant, the covenant we have with Jesus in the new covenant is also, it's a covenant of salt with God and with one another. So there's some principles then that we are urged to practice when it comes to covenant loyalty in scripture. What Jesus expects of us when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he expects us to kind of behave in a certain way. That's why it's now, this is kind of cool. It's kind of like now this is the back end of the beatitudes. So if you have the beatitudes, if your attitudes 
are running in you according to the Beatitudes, then now it should come out in your actions. And the one thing he begins with is, you are the salt of the earth. So back to Matthew 5.13, in these principles that we must practice now to show that we are people of the covenant, we are people of loyalty. You come and join Mount Helena Christian Church, you join us in Christ, guess what? We are loyal. We're a loyal people. Loyal to God, but loyal to each other. And so every believer is called to be salt. That's what we saw in the scripture. And you only fulfill it when you're being salt. That's why they're called the be attitudes. You gotta be it, (laughs) right? It's a semantic term, of course, but it means agreement, it means covenant. And so when we look at that, you say, well, this value, what is the value of salt? Well, let's run through a couple ideas about why salt is valuable. I, I ran about a couple before you about it was kind of synonymous with your salary and how people were paid, but let's go back to the practicality of your own home. It's a good seasoning. Salt is a seasoning. Everybody likes a little salt, right? Even when you're disobeying your doctor, he says, cut down on the salt. Okay, I will, a little. It's really tough to kind of cut salt out. It's a seasoning. Even in Job 6, it says, can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? No, can't. Need, need it on the egg white, Job said. And so in the natural, if you can't even have an egg white without a little salt on it or something, mustard, I don't know, put something on it. But um, you know what? When it comes to your spiritual food, the things of God don't even taste right without a little salt. Not a little loyalty in your heart. Luke 14, 34, it's not up there, but it says, salt is good, but if it loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? So there's a possibility of losing saltiness. And God's evaluation this morning, he's kind of probing us saying, hey, how's your salt level? How salty are you? Because impure salt, if it loses its saltiness, what do you do with it? You literally put it in your driveway. <laughs> Throw it out in the street. It's only good to be walked upon. But here's the problem with that. If you, if you only put, see, here's the thing. Why do you say that? You got to put it in the street. Put it where you walk. Don't get it in the field, though. Don't put it in your yard. Come on, you guys live around snow and ice. I grew up in that stuff. You know, if it's, you salt your driveway, but if you get over in the grass, goodbye grass. <laughs> right? It'll kill it. See, If you put that salt in the wrong place, impure salt will actually destroy the fertility of the ground. It becomes infertile. What's that mean? No harvest. Boom. See, if you lose your saltiness, it affects the harvest that God wants. God's using you, okay, to be the salt of the earth. But if you lose your savor, it's no good, and then you throw it out, and guess what? It'll affect the harvest. The fields were meant to produce, and we are in a time, I think, a pending harvest like we've never seen. I think that's why God just did his amazing stuff this past 12 months. <laughs> stuff, nobody prayed for it. <laughs> nobody prophesied it. <laughs> nobody knew it was coming. It just came, baby. It just came. <clears throat> and wow, a lot of adjusting going on, all because there's a harvest coming. So salt is a seasoning. It's a preservative. Great preservative. What's that mean? It keeps things from going rotten. That's why we talked about the right attitudes instead of the rotten attitudes. (laughs) Every one of the B attitudes has a rotten attitude that goes with it. And salt keeps things from going rotten. 
maintains freshness. That's what they use before refrigeration. We know that. Number three, it melts ice. And you know about that up here, but I lived in Florida 17 years, and if I ever preach this, they'll go, huh? Anyway, um, yeah, it melts ice. But you know, the Bible says that in days like we live in, there will be a lawlessness that will rise. How many know we've seen that on the news? Not here, but in the news, we've seen the spirit of lawlessness rise up. Anomia, against the law. And Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, that's another word for lawlessness, iniquity, or quite frankly, self-will. Iniquity is self-will. I want to do it my way. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) My will is the most important will. When that abounds, watch, the love of many will wax cold. What's the antidote to a cold heart? Put some more salt on it, baby. (laughs) Unfreeze that thing. What? Be loyal. Show your saltiness by being loyal to people, even when they got a bad beatitude. Number three, or number four, is a purifier. Salt purifies. It represents purity. Interesting little story in 2 Kings chapter 2. We have this interesting example of what the prophet Elijah did. In Elisha, in 2 Kings 2, verse 19, yes, I use a Bible. I'm not swiping. I'm turning pages. I'm old school. Anyway, if you're under 20, this is a Bible, and uh, that's what we use. All you people online say, just swipe and get over it. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. So here's what he said. Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went to the spring, and he threw salt in it. And then he said these words, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water's been healed to this day. You see, salt is a purifier. It'll purify things. Things get polluted. How many know daily? (laughs) The things that we have to take in and are exposed to daily can pollute us. That's why many of us aren't going through the mask syndrome because there's pollution out there, right? We're being very careful, but here's what the scripture's talking about how salt is a purifier, loyalty to one another. And by the way, if you rivet that loyalty to the wrong thing, and it can be, it brings judgment. Where'd you get that from? Well, there's this lady called Lot's wife. Lot's wife riveted her saltiness, her loyalty to the wrong thing. As they were coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah, she kept looking back and her loyalty was to the city and the lifestyle and what was going on there. And God just says, oh, you want that? Is that what you're loyal to? He turned her into a pillar of salt. Interesting. Judgment. Number five, it's a seasoning not only for our food, (laughs) it's a seasoning for our speech. Mmm. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Do you ever think about seasoning your speech with salt? I think every church really, you know, we have little, you know, hand sanitizer packets now and we have welcome packets. We have all these packets. I think we should hand out those little individual packets of salt and carry them around in your pocket. And just at that moment, you want to just say that thing that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth 
And you say, what do you think? So, well, this is what I think. Just a minute. Well, I think, you know, he's my brother and, in Christ, and I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but boy, I really want to. But he's really a nice guy. I mean, let your speech always be seasoned with salt. Watch, so that you may know how to answer each person. That's a really important admonition from Scripture. Seasoning our speech with loyalty, salt, loyalty to one another. You know, I, um, I, sometimes, there's certain types of movies well. I, I, I kind of like the mafia movies. I, like I said, I'm from upstate New York, and where I grew up, there's a lot of Italians. I went to high school with all Italians. They were everywhere. Everybody that lived around me, their last name ended with a vowel. And so I just, I, and you know, I was aware of all these things. That, you know, one thing about Italian families, and then if you watch mafia movies like that, they are loyal to the family. You don't speak against the family, you know. It's like, we need a little of that mafioso ideas in the church, you know. Don't speak against the family. We're loyal to one another. But it also creates thirst. Isn't that good about salt? Yeah. Makes people thirsty in the spiritual sense. You get around somebody, your loyalty, your saltiness, it will cause spiritual thirst in them. Like, what makes you like that? They're so nice. I'm getting kind of thirsty for what they have. What do you have that I... It's like Jesus with the woman at the well. He says, hey, if you, if you knew what I had, you'd be thirsty too. Jesus came with natural thirst. Do you have any water? Yeah, I do. He says, now, if you knew the water that I had, <laughs> you'd be asking me for water. And he started being salty around her. And she finally goes, I want this water. <laughs> I want what you have. And finally, it's an antiseptic. Salt's an antiseptic. In the old days, it I don't think I'd like that, but they would put salt in your wounds and all that kind of stuff because it does heal. There's a healing aspect to salt. And even in Ezekiel 16, when they had a baby in the old days, they would salt it. They would salt the newborn, put salt on it. I think that's kind of like a good picture of what we do when someone gets born again. When someone gets born again, what? They come in the family and we salt them. We're loyal to that newborn Christian. That's the greatest gift you can give a new believer is your loyalty. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to help you get conformed to Christ. I'm going to walk with you in discipleship. I'm going to help you get in a small group, get you connected, get you water baptized, see you flourish in Christ. That's salting the newborn. But here's the thing about salt. It's only effective by making contact. It's the only way it works. Doesn't do any good in the big bag of rock salt sitting in your garage. Got to get it on the driveway. <laughs> Doesn't do any good in the salt shaker. You got to get it out of the salt shaker. So you got to make contact. See, you were designed to make contact. And that's been tough this year because we've had minimal contact. And yet, we got to stay connected. We can make contact on the internet now. I mean, God is amazing what he's allowed us to think about. It's like, oh, I, I can make contact. I can text somebody. I can call somebody. So you got to make contact. We're the salt of the earth. Secondly, as we said, everyone must then be tried or tested in the fire. It makes you salty. We don't like that. We don't pray for that. But everyone is going to be tried. And like I said, going back to Mark chapter 9, here's the disciples and their attitude was coming out about who's the greatest. And Jesus was just listening, going, okay, boys. And then he talks about temptations to sin and trials and testing. And all those things are designed to produce saltiness in you. 
Fire always tests the covenant of salt in your life. The fires of adversity, fires of division, fires of whatever that doesn't agree with you. (laughs) That'll test your loyalty. Come on, moms and dads. Come on. Husbands and wives, come on. You know, we're, come on, that's what it is. You're in covenant, right? Marriage covenant. covenant. But guess what? It gets tested (laughs) in the trials of life. There it is proven. What's the, what's the goal here? Be ready for it, first of all. Be ready to be tested. If you haven't been tested in the last 12 months, you haven't been on planet Earth. I don't think. (laughs) Come out of your bubble. Join the rest of us. We've all been tested in relationships and all kinds of things are not going our way. Be ready, but be loyal. I hope you leave today with one thought. I'm going to be loyal. Come on, devil. Test me. Go ahead. I'm going to be loyal. There's a few secrets to savory salt. This is not on your slides. I'll go just run through them real quickly. So what ha- So. Talk to me more, Clem, about this testing things. I don't want to lose my savor, but what's the secret to keeping my salt salty in a time of testing? You know, it's easy to be salty when everything's great. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, brother, hey. I don't really agree with that political opinion. (laughs) And suddenly, how do you stay salty and loyal? Number one, don't speak negatively about your brother or sister. Why? Be loyal to them. your brother, to your sister. I remember being with a, set of, a group of pastors at a luncheon. This is way back. I'm old. Back in the 80s, and a certain prominent national TV minister fell. And I remember being at a pastor's luncheon, and boy, they, he, was, he, was, he was being roasted right on the table before me. <laughs> Everyone was talking negative. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, and I was the associate pastor, the pastor that brought me, I was just sitting there listening to all this, and it kind of was coming around the circle, and my pastor, to his credit, they just looked at me like, what do you think? And he goes, all I know is he's my brother in Christ, and I'm praying for him. And I went, ding, revelation. I think that's what Jesus expects. What do you think about him? All I know is this, number one, he is my brother in Christ. And I'm loyal to him because we have a covenant together in Christ, not his behavior. I don't covenant with his behavior. I covenant in who God redeemed him to be. So don't speak negatively. Defend your brother or sister. Why? There's salt between you. We have a saying, endeavor to give a good report. Endeavor. Can't always, but you endeavor to give a good report. So all the negativity that would be in front of you go, you know, I'm going to look around that and see if there's anything good that I can look for. It's like, oh yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but I want to tell you this about him. In my experience, I've only seen this. You endeavor to give a good report. Number three, you endeavor to protect one another. We're called to protect. Hey, for brothers and sisters, come on, you big brothers, you big sisters, protect your younger brothers and your younger sisters in the body of Christ because assault commitment will then bring protection. It's like an army. It's kind of like a fraternity. It's kind of like, you know, we're in this together. Don't mess with my family. It's like there's protective element to a covenant of salt. You never mock or put down a covenant brother, a covenant sister. Yeah, we like to joke around and we like to poke fun. That's fine. I like all that. But in the end, you don't seriously mock somebody and come against them. That's not covenant. That's not salt. You don't question integrity or motivation without clear proof. Don't question it without, unless you have clear proof. And boy, we live in the fake news society. We live in the cancel culture. I understand all that. 
And it's so easy to jump on the bandwagons. But when it comes to the covenant of salt, your loyalty, treat others like you want to be treated. You don't want to have them question your integrity or your motivations unless they have proof. So you support and strengthen each other in a time of need and perilous times. We need each other. We need to support each other like never before. And you meet people's needs whenever possible. People are needy everywhere. And in these areas, it's so easy to lose your saltiness. You can have one stupid conversation. People go, he's not being very salty today, is he? I don't sense a whole lot of loyalty there. You know, we start losing our savor. So you will be tried with the fire, and it will make you salty. That's a good thing. You come through a trial, you come through a fire. Mm, I like being around them. Why? Man, they've been through it. I love hearing that testimony. You know what? Sometimes you've got to share your ugly stories. Because you overcome by the word of your testimony. What's that mean? I've been tested and I came out. And you come out salty. Number three, salt will make even your worship acceptable. Hmm. Because as Luke said in Luke 9.49, his phrasing he steals out of Leviticus where it says every sacrifice must be seasoned with salt. Well, what's the sacrifice we bring? Thank God we're not dragging animals in here and cutting them open and burning them on an altar. Our sacrifice is what the New Testament says. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And so in Leviticus, it says, you shall season all your grain offerings with salt. All their offerings, they season with salt. So I don't know. I don't think you sprinkle salt on your offering envelope. Now we give online. How do you do that? See, it's this inner thing, this loyalty. I like this the way they season their offerings with salt. The priests in Ezekiel 43, 24, the priests would actually put salt on the sacrifice before they offered it to the Lord. And the beautiful thing about Ezekiel and the whole thing, if you wrap it up all the way at the end of Ezekiel, the goal of this whole, it's an amazing book, complicated but amazing. The end story of the book of Ezekiel was the picture of God's glory returning to the house by keeping the ordinances of the house, restoring God's glory. We're in that phase now. God is busy restoring his glory to the house. That's the theme of the book of Ezekiel, where God is revealed as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Don't you want people to say that about Mount Helena? I don't know about that church, but by golly, you walk in there, boy, the Lord is there. <laughs> Why would they be able to say that? Because of salt. The Lord is there. His presence is there. Why? Because you sacrifice with salt. You treat each other in covenant. There's loyalty there. You know what they sense? The presence of God. That's what keeps people coming. And the fourth thing, the last thing about being the salt of the earth and a covenant of salt is a salt covenant ultimately will bring peace in your personal life and in your assembly, your personal family and the family of God. Mark chapter 9, verse 50, Jesus said, have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. Again, this was in light of this very selfish discussion <laughs> the disciples were having prior to this about who was the greatest. And I love Colossians 3, in verse 15, we want to just look at this idea of peace, how important peace is. Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. And Paul's writing to the Colossians, and he's, 
He's helping them navigate through difficult times. He says, look, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So when Jesus said, make sure that you have salt in yourselves, the byproduct of salt in yourselves will be what? Peace. How many want more peace? <laughs> I want peace. So funny, we did an outreach in Tampa last Saturday. I was telling some of the guys in the, we have to, actually went to Tampa General Hospital where there was a lot of traffic and we were just kind of, kind of just seeing how, if we could share Christ with people or pray with people and this one male nurse came out and I happened to just chat him up and was talking with him. I just said, you guys have been through so much. I'm just, we're just here to pray for you, encourage you. Is there anything we can pray for? And it was so funny. He says, well, you know, pray for my mother and he's going through his little list and then he goes, and, and of course, pray for world peace. I don't think he knew Jesus, but you know, I prayed for him, but it's like, when all is said and done, people are like, we just want world peace. Well, you know what? God wants peace in your life. You can have chaos all around you. We can live on a globe that's in the middle of a global pandemic, but you can have peace right here. Have peace one with another. How do you do that? Well, you let, 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 let it. Got to let it. That's permissive language. You got to let the peace of Christ rule. The Greek word is brabuo. I like rule better, but if you would like to use brabuo, you can use brabuo. But brabuo was the, the, the verbal form of the action of an umpire, the action of a referee. They rule over a game, they rule over competition, they rule over two opposing sides, and they have the final say so. They rule. So, what do we mean? Here's the thing, peace makes the decision in a time of need. When you're going through something, when you're going through unrest, difficulty, what Paul was trying to tell the Colossians, look, let peace rule. Let it make the final decision. So we ask, we ask questions like, well, do you have peace? Do you have peace about it? No, not really. Well, that's kind of an indicator. <laughs> Are you finding peace? Where's the peace? But the idea of this, when he says peace, the, the Greek word for peace is irene. Irene was actually a medical world. It was, comes out of the medical world. And it was a word that was used often by, actually more than anybody, guess who? Apostle Luke. He was a doctor. He used that word more than any of the others. Because it literally means the healing of a broken bone. The word peace. It, means, it literally means to set at one again. Because when there's not peace, something's not right. Something's gone. There's either division or disagreement. Something's broken, a broken relationship. Something's broken, a broken covenant. Something breaks. And like a bone, it has to be reset and come back together. So when we say that bone is healed, the doctors would say it has come to peace. And when we walk in covenant loyalty towards one another, that salt, you see, that savor of loyalty that I know my brother's got my back no matter what happens, even when I mess up, I can get to my small group and I go, guys, I had a bad week. Man, I, I messed up. I had a couple of episodes. I just don't know what was I thinking. When you walk in and you have that covenant loyalty there, that salt, that brings healing. You feel like I'm broken. Guys, pray for me. And that brokenness comes back to a place you leave there restored, healed. This preserves order in the house of God. Because the enemy doesn't want order. He wants chaos. 
Brings unity because the enemy wants division. Brings us what? Ever closer to our upward call in Christ. Shaped by his cross. I want you to pray this morning. I want you to stop for just a minute. And hear the words one more time from Jesus. You, you Mount Helena Christians, you are the salt of the earth, but guess what? You are salt for this city. You are salt for this region. Maybe you've lost a little bit of your saltiness. Maybe the Holy Spirit's checking you today. But Jesus saying, I want you salty. I want you loyal. I want you walking in covenant with your brother and your sister. Because if you can't do it here, they'll never see it out there. Because they are dying for it. They're dying for relationship. They're dying for living water. They're dying and going to hell and we need to demonstrate a love that they've never seen. A loyalty that they crave. A peace that they have no idea where to get. You are the answer. You are the salt of the earth. Go and be salt and watch Jesus do his work. Amen? God bless you guys.